Do you ever find yourself really struggling with the waiting process? I do. See, I had one of those moments this week where I was really trying to get some new gear, some new tech for my audio video setup. And there's this cable, this patch cable that I've really been looking for because I wanted to make a video to really help out other ministries and ministers to kind of step up their audio game. The problem is when I purchased it over a week ago on eBay, it still hasn't arrived. And so there's been this waiting process and a wondering process. It's like, am I going to get this cable? Am I going to have it? Am I going to even be able to make this video? Or do I need to scrap the idea altogether? And that process of, of wondering and waiting, it starts to lead to worrying and it's really kind of uh, been affecting me a little bit. And I know here in Iowa, there have been a lot of people that have been wondering about things as well, because we're kind of in this waiting pattern wondering what our governor is going to do. Is there going to be a shelter in place order or not? And that's starting to affect a lot of people and it's affecting them in a negative way as well. See, we know things have been extended until April 30th, so we've got a few more weeks of this going on. But beyond that, what's happening? When will this pass? Will things ever go back to normal? Do we really want them to go back to normal? And what is normal, by the way? See, I think a lot of us can find ourselves questioning God in the same way. When God has told us something in his word, it's like, okay, but where's it at? Why am I not seeing it right now? So yeah, we're often questioning God and we're wondering, when are things going to get easier? When will things get better? When is my provision actually going to get here? Because God, didn't you say you were going to meet all my needs? Yeah, well, we're still wondering these things and we're questioning it. We also know that the scripture is true when it says that the promises of God are yes and amen. But even with yes and amen, when will it happen? How's it going to happen and what's going to happen? Now, I mean, here's a question that I do have for you though. Do you find yourself struggling with the waiting process that we seem to be going through? I know I do. Now, I do think that we can find a little bit of help and maybe a little bit of comfort through the story of Abraham. And I actually want to look at what that story is, but I don't want to start in Genesis just yet. I actually want to start in Hebrews. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and pull it out, and we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. It's the chapter that I like to call the Hall of Faith. Some would call it the Hall of Fame. Some just call it the Faith chapter. And really, out of all of the chapters in the book of the Bible, this chapter is my favorite chapter by far. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God." Now, I love this passage because it starts to point out a few different things. I mean, if I were going to kind of break this down with three points for the message today, it's really going to be about the calling, about the living, and then about the waiting. Because that's what I see Abraham doing. Now, when we talk about the calling that Abraham had, I'm not talking about like the big calling. And, and really, if you search out the scripture, you can see that us as Christians... 
There are a lot of different things that we are called to or called to be. But I'm talking specifically about this moment just where God has called Abraham. And really, what God did was called Abraham to go out to the place that he would receive as an inheritance. Now, think about that for just a second. He's going to receive it as an inheritance. Who receives an inheritance but family members? Now, if we want to really see this calling, this is where we have to go back to Genesis. And this is a powerful story, but I love how it starts off. In Genesis chapter 12, I want to read this from verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Now, we often refer back to this passage, whether you realize it or not. There are so many of us that we've kind of used this term, I'm blessed to be a blessing. And really, it gets its roots right here from this calling that Abraham had. But we often miss so much of what God is doing in this. Yes, he's blessing Abraham, and yes, Abraham is going to be a blessing. But first, we have to realize that he's telling him to get out from your country, out from your family, and from your father's house. Now, before God is really going to be able to bless us in such a way that we're going to be able to bless somebody else, we have to first realize that God has to be the source of the provision. So we have to get out of what our familiarity is, and we have to get away from what we're currently depending on and just depend solely on God. I mean, he's telling him, I need you to go to this promised land. You're going to receive it. This is going to be for you, and it's going to be great. Then he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Before he even blesses him, he's going to make him a great nation. Then he blesses him and makes his name great, to give Abraham this whole sphere of influence. And, and you think about that. Even today, we still refer to God through Abraham. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, have you ever thought about how great God made Abraham's name? And by making Abraham's name great, he also wound up elevating the name of God himself. Only after this does God say, and you will be a blessing. There's so much here. There's so much richness in here. And we could dive in and we could spend hours just studying this out. But I think that there's something actually a little bit higher up on the surface that we often miss because we're trying to dive so deep that we miss what's right there in front of us. First and foremost, God is calling Abraham to do something. The very first thing he says is, go. Get out of your country. Get out of the place that you're in. Go to the place that I have for you. By the way, if you have never had a cup of coffee out of a vacuum siphon, <laughs> you're missing out. Mmm, that's so good. Now, when I think about you and I, there are some callings that the Bible tells us about. 
One of the callings is actually found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. The Apostle Paul writing to the church Corinth and really speaking to believers in general, he says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We are called into fellowship. Now, if you know me at all, you know that I like to pick on Christianese. Christianese, as I define it, are those terms that Christians use that really nobody else uses, and it's not even a word we use in our everyday language. It's only a word that we use around Christians and in churchy settings. And I'm not even sure I like using that in a churchy setting, let alone preaching to you from my house. So what is fellowship? Well, fellowship is really nothing more than a friendly association. It can be referred to as a partnership or even companionship. And when you think about this, Paul is telling us as believers, the church in Corinth as believers, he's trying to let all of us know that God has called us into a partnership with Jesus Christ. That God has called us into companionship with Jesus Christ. That God has called us to be in a friendly association with Jesus Christ. Now, come on, how good is that? How good is it that God is calling us into a partnership with Jesus? Think about that. What was Jesus's mission? God's calling us to partner with Jesus' mission. What type of companionship did Jesus have? Well, God is calling us to be companions of Jesus Christ. That is amazing. But for us as born-again believers in Jesus Christ to have a relationship with Him, to have a partnership with Him, to have companionship with Him, it means that we need to associate with Him, not necessarily with the world. And too often, that's what we do when we're worrying about things and we're waiting for so long that we start to stress about it and get anxiety about it and, and struggle with this, all of this uncertainty. When we're acting and behaving the same way as the rest of the world, are we really companions and partners with Jesus Christ? Because last I checked, Jesus didn't behave as the rest of the world behaved. Now, the Apostle Paul also talked to the church in Galatia about another calling that they faced, and it's another calling that we have. He says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now, Paul is saying that we've been called to freedom. The reason that we've been called to freedom is because God doesn't want us to be in fear. He doesn't want us to be oppressed. He wants us to be free and he wants us to be liberated. Really, what he's also talking about is that he wants us to be free of the burden of being orphans where we didn't have a heavenly father. And yet here he comes alongside to be our father. And there's a lot of people that think about that and they're like, oh, well, I got freedom in Christ. I'm going to go be a wackadoo. Don't, don't, don't be dumb. Being a wackadoo and saying, oh, I'm free to do whatever I want to. No, that's not the freedom that God wants for you. He's really then telling us, use that freedom through love to serve one another. So stop being strange. 
it's one thing if the unbelieving world says that you're weird and strange. It's a totally different thing when your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ think you're strange. When that happens, I think you've gone too far. So again, just like Abraham had been called out of where he was at into something else, God is calling us out of where we're at into something else. He's calling us out of this abandonment from him into fellowship, into partnership with Jesus. And he's calling us out of fear and into freedom. Now then if we jump back into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, it says, By faith Abraham went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. He went to live by faith. And I'm just telling you right now, I love the by faith scriptures. I love the by faith scriptures. If you know me at all, you know that my mission here on this earth is to really encourage you to live by faith. If you're familiar with our church and our ministry, our mission is to inspire followers of Christ to pray with passion, be led by the Holy Spirit, and live by faith. So when I find scriptures that are talking about living by faith, I get excited. I get so excited because that is what we're called to do. I mean, after all, if you think about this, how we are supposed to live, four different times in the scripture it talks about how the just shall live by faith. Uh, oh, you don't believe me? Go look it up for yourself. Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, or even Hebrews 10.38 just before we get to this 11th chapter. See, we're to live by faith in God and his word, not in ourselves and this world. Man, that was good. Come on, you know that was good. You know that was good. Come on, give me some amens right there. I think we need some little like praise hands going up in the chat box right now. That's what we need. I'm, I'm waiting for it. Where are they at? Right, right, right there. Come on, amen. We are to live by faith in God and his word, not ourselves and the world. It was so good, I just had to say it a second time. Now, where was I going with that one? Uh, oh, Abraham didn't even know where he was going with that one. That's where I was not going with. Go, go. Abraham didn't know where he was going, but by faith, he went. And this journey that Abraham took, a crazy journey. Crazy journey because he didn't know. He wasn't sure where he was going, so he just kept living. He just kept going. Now he starts out in like Ur, and he's traveling up through Babylon, and, and he gets up to Haran, and then he, he continues to go, and he actually makes it to the promised land in Shechem, but then he didn't even know that's where he was supposed to be at, so he just kept traveling. He's like, oh, well, this can't be what it looks like. I didn't think this is what it was supposed to be. Oh, God, you mean you called me to be a Christian, and I'm actually supposed to go share my faith in you with other people? Oh, I didn't know that. That's just strange. Strange. That's just weird. What do you mean? I mean, it's not like Jesus told people about you or anything. So then he continues on towards Egypt because he had no clue where he was going. And once he gets there, then God's like, hey, hey, turn around, fella. You missed it. It was way back there. So he turns around and he starts heading back and finally comes back to the promised land in Hebron. And I love that even once he made it to the promised land, they were living in tents. That means they were living in like temporary kind of homes. They weren't, you know, planting something permanent because he was looking 
for this city. He was then waiting for a city, which takes us from the calling to the living to the waiting. Now see, Abraham didn't know where he was going. And even once he wound up landing there, once he got into the promised land, he was a foreigner. He was a stranger. They were worshiping all of these gods and he was worshiping the God. They were doing all of these crazy rituals and he was just giving his life to God. He wasn't doing what everybody else was doing. I mean, last week we started looking at the story of Job and I was telling you how we are also called to worship, not to whine. And so if you're looking around and the rest of the world is whining about the situation that we find ourselves in and you're doing the exact same thing, you're doing something wrong. You're not called to be a whiner. You're called to be a worshiper. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're called to worship, not whine. That means you are called to be different from the world. You are called to stand out and really be a shining light and example for who God is. Here's another question for you. If you find yourself whining about the situation that we're in, are you living by faith in the word or the world? Yeah, that was rhetorical. You already know the answer. But then while they're there, Abraham is living in tents. They haven't set up a permanent structure, a permanent home. Why? Well, it tells us in verse 10 of Hebrews 11. It says, For he waited for the city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. He was waiting. When he got there, it didn't look like he thought it would. He knew there had to be something more, and he's living by faith. He's living by faith in the promise that God has. He is waiting for the promise to come about. He's holding on to that. He hasn't seen the provision, so he's waiting for the promise, which may be something that you need to focus on. You might just need to focus on the promise rather than the provision. I mean, think back to Genesis. We covered it in Genesis 12, 1 through 4. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Curse him who curses you. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He's waiting for this. He's waiting. He's like, this was the promise. I don't see it yet, so I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to wait. That's what I'm going to do. God told me to go into this land. I went to this land. Then he said he was going to do these things. And I haven't seen these things, but at least I know I'm in the right position. So while I'm in my right position, I'm going to wait on his promise. His promise will stand. His promises are yes and amen. Whatever God has promised you that you are still waiting for, keep waiting. It's coming. And sometimes with the promise that he's given you, you think that he's just slacking on the job. He's not slacking on the job. He just knows things that you don't. And your job is to obey him, to trust him, and to wait on him. Let him do things on his timing. Don't try to rush it. The world wants to rush things, but God's word is perfect and God's timing is perfect. Now, what promises are you waiting for? What promises have you been waiting for? Remember the promise that you have, the one that you're holding on to, the one that you're looking for. Remember where that promise came from. Remember that and focus on that. Keep your eyes fixed on the word. 
Keep your eyes fixed on God's promise for your life. Don't worry about what's coming. Just wait for the promise. It is coming. Don't waver. Don't give up on that. Hold fast to that one. (laughs) Hold fast. Hold fast is actually what many of us need to be doing right now. That's what we really need to be doing with this thing. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And, and... Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Ah, pastor, there you go, not forsaking the assembly. How do we do that when we got stay-at-home orders? How do we do that when the government has said no mass gatherings? Hey, here's the deal. Even though we can't physically touch one another, guess what? We can still assemble right here online. We can gather together. I know it's not ideal, and I don't really believe that that's exactly what God was meaning here, but we're going to do the best with what we can right now. And so we need to get creative because what we need to be doing is we need to be exhorting edifying, encouraging, lifting, and building one another up. And we should be doing it so that we can stir up some love and good works. If we're stirring up that love, we're stirring up those good works. If we are holding fast to our confession of faith, if we are not wavering, but we're remembering that he who promised is faithful, if we can encourage one another with that, when times are uncertain and things are getting rough and we're feeling like we're going to be struggling, you know what? If we can remind each other that God is faithful, we can get through this. And while the rest of the world is out there whining and complaining and they're focusing on their problems, we'll be worshiping, we'll be celebrating, and we'll be focused on the promises of God. We can be the light in these dark times. We can be the one certainty in these uncertain times. That is my encouragement for you. I hope this message spoke to you. I hope it really impacted you in a deep way. And here's what I want you guys to do. If you have any prayer needs or any prayer requests, I want you to reach out to us, leave us a comment, drop us a message, hit us up in a DM, whatever you gotta do. You can reach out to us and you can find more contact information by checking us out online at www.fullfaith.church. Now, I love you guys. I just want you all to stay blessed. Enjoy God's best. And we'll see you next week.